You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. Welcome to For the Lore. We're recording this episode on Monday, June, uh, July 20th. Fuck it. I'm done. I quit. <laughs> you know, the June, July thing I can I can get, but you were starting with a 20 in there. I know. I don't even, it's whatever. Um, I just, today. It's a day. Not today. Uh, I'm going to start over to make it super easy. Hey there, and welcome to For the Lore. We're recording this episode on Monday, July 10th. A full four days before my birthday. Hey, Vince, how was your weekend? Hey, Marty, it's the ninth. What? Oh, it's the ninth. Whatever. It's the ninth. A full five <laughs> days before my birthday. I'm not changing. I'm not going to go back and redo that. Uh, I, I had I, the tenth. It's actually great. I had a great weekend. We went uh, into Philadelphia uh, yesterday with the family to uh, visit the Franklin Institute of the Arts. It's like an arts and science museum. Yeah, where they had a special exhibit on the history of video games. Ooh, they had Dude. old arcade machines from the '80s. Like I got to play Tempest, Robotron, Defender, Missile Command. Like it was all there. And then on through, like you know, the Nintendo era, the Sega era, early PC stuff, all the way up to like modern day games with Minecraft. And like they had a whole section for like modern indie games. Like it was cool walking through. Like we got, we saw some original concept art from Warcraft, like actual like Metzen artwork, like crazy looking stuff. But on top of that, they actually had reproductions of some of the design documents. So like you could see War Inspector's design documents for the original Deus Ex. Oh my or god! They actually had Will Wright's notebook from when he was designing the first Sims, and like they had laminated the pages so you could actually flip through it. And just see like his bizarre thought process of coming up with that game. <laughs> I actually like I was flipping through it randomly because giant ass notebook came across the, the page where he was like brainstorming different titles for what the Sims could be like subtitles. And one of them was the tactical domestic simulator. Oh, my God. I love that. I, I would have played that. the hell out of the tactical domestic simulator. <laughs> I would still be playing that. That would totally change my career, I think. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was really cool to see see the history and like see parents there with their little kids, like showing them like, oh, this is altered beast. Watch, you could turn into a werewolf. Like, and of course the kid like kids realizing just how freaking hard games used to be, <laughs> immediately losing interest. Oh, it, it was it was a cool experience. Uh, that's pretty that's pretty phenomenal. Uh, this week, everybody. Roger and Joe are out, but Joe will be back with the feature. But this week you're stuck with me, but you get Vince. So that's a pretty great deal. Uh, and we are going to talk about, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, the uh, awesome adventures of Captain Spirit. We're going to talk a little bit about Gloomhaven, Warframe, and then Joe's got a surprise for us. Uh, so Vince, uh, have you replayed the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit? No, uh, typically with those types of games, one playthrough is good for me. Yeah, I I played one. I don't think I could handle another playthrough. Oh, I, I know if I were to do another playthrough, I would definitely have been more aggressive. 
I so full disclosure, uh, having gone into families' homes and having to call the DCFS hotline abuse hotline and get kids taken away, I approached this game mm. after listening to you and Roger talk about it from a very specific point of view. And I also wanted to see, because uh, I also thought Joe raised some excellent points about like what's going on, what is the, not explanation, but the reasoning behind what's going on as, as the dad is spiraling out of control. Um, but the minute, the minute you see the bruise, like there is absolutely mm. no doubt that dad did this when he was drunk. Um, and there's some other stuff too that was like pretty clear about the descent into alcoholism, including while it was very novel, but uh, I thought the beer can as a snowman's nose was also incredibly telling. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, I remember from high school, we had a, you know, one of those, uh, the more, you know, Saturday specials where I think Martin Sheen wasn't it. And he was an alcoholic and his daughter was named Brandy. And the, the dog's name was like, I'm not going to say Colvassier, but like the dog's name <laughs> was like whiskey or something. It was just two on the nose. Yeah. Um, what I, I, I absolutely adored this game. And this is my introduction into the life, the life is strange world. I have it on my phone. I just haven't had any time to play it. Uh, I need to get into this. Like, so it's all like your choice matters. You point, you click, you scroll through. I found that the holding down E to activate the powers on my keyboard <laughs> was a really brilliant touch. Um, I just wanted to spend more time. Like, so you went through it and did everything before waking up the dad, right? Yes. I did the same thing because in my head, that makes the most sense. Although what else could have been done? Oh, did you take a puff of the cigarette? No. Oh yeah. I stole a cigarette. Um, <laughs> because I was just going to steal it from him because the kid's like, I don't want to, my dad to do it but you could you could totally smoke if you wanted to wow um yeah that was pretty like that was pretty dark uh very specifically i thought um so uh the idea that uh, a kid who has been abused uh, there's there in their increased levels of risk for all sorts of like really awful things to happen later in life uh, and so I was like, if this kid is as resilient and as creative as I would like him to be, I'm going to keep him away from dad, get my successes, and then end the game. Um, mm. I also felt like uh, Mrs. Reynolds, I didn't call her on the phone. I didn't call the pizza place. I feel like I should have. Yeah, the only one I called was I tried calling dad's cell phone to see if maybe that would unlock it. <laughs> oh, you, you actually listened to last week's episode, right? Oh yeah, totally listen to it. So, like, so you know about the shit show of that puzzle. <laughs> oh my god. Like I was like, I don't know where I would find this. Like, yeah, why would his phone password be hot dog unless what he's done is trying to make his son happy, but that still doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like it just it was a weird puzzle. So I did I did not play the game because like it was like I started playing at nine o'clock. And I did not want to stop until I, and I was up way too late playing it. Um, but I wanted to go back and talk about like Mrs. Reynolds, when she comes in, like when my playthrough, she said she's going to get her husband and then be right back. Is that what she did for you? 
that's what Roger got. For me, it was more like, uh, you know, if you need anything, I'm right over there. You know where to find me. Oh, how did you get out of the situation? Did you try to tell her to go or? I, I, I was just trying to like, you know, be appeasing. Because again, like my mindset through that whole playthrough was, you know, one of fear. Like yeah. just, you know, give neutral answers, you know, be nice. Get the old lady out of here before dad freaks out. Like in my head, like dad was going to freak out no matter what was going to happen. Like I, I would love to see if there's a playthrough where dad doesn't freak out. Um, I, I highly doubt is. it because I think the whole falling out of the tree house is kind of a exactly point in time. But it's also like just also my experience of working with uh, abusers is the, the woman was there at the wrong time and he is drunk. No way in hell he's not going to yeah. lose his cool. Um, but yeah, like he also, I found it interesting. You guys didn't bring up like dad's got a new girlfriend, um, which we don't know anything Maybe, about. Like, yeah, it, it, my, my reading of that wasn't dad has a new girlfriend. It's dad's been spending some time at the strip bar. Really? Because the, that's the way the, the letter read to me. And she even called herself like the tiny dancer or something like that. Yeah. And that like, something is like, are you embarrassed of me? So oh. that's what it read like to me. Not so much dad has a new girlfriend. Maybe dad does have a new girlfriend and his girlfriend happens to be a stripper. I don't know. That's, yeah, I just, I don't know why I just like, yeah, he just likes like, Elton John. Like, I, that was just my, just, my it, it, In the grand scheme of the game, that was, you know, it got kind of got passed over in the notes. <laughs> yeah, no, I can, I can understand that. But, but it's cool Ooh. to like revisit the, like the smaller stuff too. Oh, I was I was trying to figure out all sorts of like, what are some other clues about what's going on in this kid's life? Like, why is Chris like, why is he my new cinnamon roll? Why must he be, be protected at all costs? <laughs> and and it's like, yeah, this is hitting me at a professional level, which I don't like in my games. I don't mm -hmm. want it in my games, but I enjoyed it because I got to have a little bit of agency with this kid. So when dad had his freak out and I got to go see the end, um, that was super cool. Um, also all you guys have always talked about how good the music is. Um, y'all just need to say Sufjan Stevens was the opening track death with dignity. One of my all time favorite songs. Like I would have been, I would have been ready and I would have been like, I don't know how we could have podcasted from last week from Michigan. With no <laughs> internet. I would have fucking found a way because that shit. Ugh. But yeah, so this is how the entire Life is Strange uh, universe works. Uh, it's point, click, your choices matter kind of stuff. Uh, to an extent, because the the whole like draw of the first game was the fact that Max, the main character, could rewind time. So within like a set period, you could kind of change your choices. Oh, that's cool. But like, it, as far as like general themes i mean of course max was a teenage girl so overall it was very different but in how it approaches like legitimate real life problems like the stuff that was going on in in the first game dealt with you know teenage pregnancy suicide uh loss of family members anger issues uh stranger danger date rape like they tackled a lot of really oh, heavy man. issues and handled them in a way that 
like yeah like especially as you get closer to the end of the game and stuff gets bigger and crazier it's it's legitimately disturbing because it's done so well it, it's just the same thing here like a lot of the stuff with chris and his dad was disturbing because it was done in a very realistic manner yeah it was yeah f- far far too realistic for me on on that level it, it and, reminded- and that's that's a that's an issue a lot of people have with the with life is strange is that they, they reach that point where there's like i i can't i, yeah, I yeah. no <laughs> I, I can't i can't do this anymore but i mean it, i also kind of respect them for tackling those issues and doing it in such a responsible way as well oh 100% like i want to play more of this game i just it's it's one of those things it's like Handmaid's Tale. I can watch an episode a week, maybe an episode every two weeks. <laughs> it gets too real, too fast. I gotta mm-hmm. take a break. Um, but with with this, there was something just really very compelling about Chris as a as a character, and I want to delve more into the dad, just because he is he wasn't always a bad dad, but he can't. He's not the kind of person, he's not single father material. And he just did not rise up to that challenge, which is awful, but, and it's also understandable and it's complex and it's nuance and there's grief and alcoholism and domestic violence and abuse. Oh God, it was, it was, and it was, the thing is like, it was also fun. Like there were Mm -hmm. supremely good fun moments, especially like in the truck or playing with, um, Spot, uh, was it Sky Pirate and the Sky Fortress? <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Um, and defeating the Water Eater, I legitimately like cackled with glee when they got to defeat the Water Heater. The Water Eater, that was good. <laughs> so, yeah, the way the way they played it off afterwards, like Dad, the Water Heater needed to be reset again. I took care of it. <laughs> oh, like he didn't say that in my playthrough. Huh? Interesting. Maybe yeah. maybe you did it after Dad had passed out. I did. There, there you go. He was still up watching the game when I did that. I, I uh, like stayed in the room until he passed out, and then I went into explore. Mm. Yeah. Oh, because that's the other thing. I took too long getting downstairs, and he's like, yeah. "Don't ignore me when I talk to you." I don't know if that's like what he says, no matter what, or if there is a timer, and you know, it takes I, I, too I think I, there's I, a timer because he, he, he was starting to get upset with me, but he wasn't that stern when I went down. Oh no, he was stern. And I was like, oh, you really are like at wit's end and have your your best is not good enough right now to be a dad. Mm-hmm. That's awful. Yeah. I wanted to call the, the DCFS hotline at the end of that playthrough. Um which is both like really well done if I still want to keep playing the game, but also like holy trigger warning that was pretty pretty intense well again i i'm of the opinion that chris is not going to be a central character in the game going forward because this was meant to be a side story i like i said he'll he'll be involved but i I, it's going to be you're still going to be dealing with stuff but not necessarily this exact situation from a playable character standpoint but maybe that you you are or we Roger and I got into this last week as whether or not Chris was going to be you know the central character going forward. Yeah, it doesn't matter one way or the other. I'm still going to play the damn game. I just oh yeah, it, my my number one goal is going to be fuck that guy up. <laughs> yep, yep. That's going to be it's going to be mine. 
Uh, and this game and uh, this the uh, the rest of Life is Strange two comes out when? I think it was September. I thought it was like yeah, September, September, October, September, somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. Well, Vince, in addition to the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit, you have like a ton of Warframe news. Well, yeah, because this past weekend was TennoCon, uh, Warframe's own personal convention that they do. Uh, Tenno being the race of the playable character in the game. So the community are the Tenos. So it's a TennoCon. That's where that comes from. This is the third year they've done TennoCon. And uh, watching the actual presentation they did on stage, like at you know, they had all kinds of stuff, you know, Q and A's and signings and that. And then they closed the show with a session of Tenno Live, which is a weekly video cast they do out of their own studio with the developers sitting down and just talking to the fans. And again, it's one of the things I respect so much about digital extremes is how open they are with their fan base. And it's it's hilarious, like watching this so soon after E3 and going. If this had been at E3, it would have been one of the best presentations of the show. Amen. Not just in content, but more importantly, in delivery. Because I said, they do this every week. The producers, the designers, they sit down and talk to the audience. So they just did that on a bigger stage with grander stuff to show off. And that connection was still there. They, they, they were comfortable talking, doing like a live gameplay demo that wasn't god-awful boring because they know, you know, how to keep things flowing. The people who are playing aren't the people who are talking. It was just a fantastic presentation. It's on YouTube. It's only like an hour long. Highly recommend checking it out if you have the time. I watched the 11-minute uh, introduction mm -hmm. to the the next X-Pack with the space battles, and go go deeper into that because you know more oh, about yeah. Warframe than I do. But oh, yeah, we're, we're going to run down a lot of the stuff they announced. And the first one that they started off with is the big announcement that uh, later this year, Warframe is going to be coming to the Nintendo Switch. So oh, I know that will make a lot of people very happy. Yeah. And they got into like some of the more like smaller, like business stuff, not business stuff, but like, okay, you know, what's coming out soon. Uh, they started showing off some new skins for the frames. Were you here when I was discussing Warframe the first time, Marty? I think so. So you yes. know about how like there's like 30, 40 different frames you can equip. And then yes. on top of that, there's all the customizations uh, visually. So like I, there's, there's fancy skins you can buy. And one of the first ones in this new line they're releasing is for a character by the name of Nyx. This costume is gorgeous because it was designed by one Stepan Sejic, who he, is a very... An illustrator and comic book like yes he, yeah. he does great comic book art and he's a fan of warframe and said i want to design a costume for you guys that's so cool so they went right <laughs> and it looks freaking amazing uh, also two brand new frames are going to be out this year uh one of revenant which is like a, a like a life draining support class and garuda which is just fury unleashed if it, it, as they they said her theme is just blood and gore so just, every time they come out with a new frame they can't just go okay it's a new frame with some new powers they really approach it from what new stuff can we do gameplay wise like the last new frame they released is literally like a beast master hunter 
where you have so a crazy. companion with you. Like companions are like companion pets are a thing in the game, but this is the class that specializes in that particular thing. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Then they got into what's coming out this year, their first big expansion by the name of Fortuna. Now, I, calling it an expansion is a little awkward because there, there's no expansions for Warframe. It's just, it's all one big game. When something goes live, it all gets rolled into the larger product. It's just the scope of the content update. The, this one feels like you should be calling it an expansion, but not just the new storyline or, or whatnot. So yes, Fortuna takes place on planet Venus in the Solaris Debt Internment Colony, where the corpse have gone back to Venus because there's money to be made in reactivating the ancient terraforming technology. And you are in one of these, you know, essentially debtor's prisons where you're interacting with this uh, new hybrid race called the Solaris, who have essentially been biologically and cybernetically modified to just be a worker class it's oh, wow yeah it's the the did you watch that trailer with like literally a chain gang song it it was creepy and fucking awesome at the same time no oh my god so yeah there's going to be a lot of interesting story stuff going on here with you you know essentially being space ninja wizard awesome person that's going to save the downtrodden <laughs> Yes, yes, because <laughs> debtor prisons need to be smashed. Yes, but let's go on. Uh, and going on with like some of the new gameplay announcements coming in Fortuna, uh, new custom pets. Uh, now, in addition to dogs and cats, you can genetically modify your own MOA. So a big ass ostrich bird thing that's fierce as hell. Okay. Uh, and this is going to be their second open world area uh, that came out with their first big open world area last year i think it was that's when i started playing and like it's 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 cool what they do with the open world stuff especially in this one uh one of the like the side objectives is that they're now that they're restarting the terraforming like there's all these species that aren't going to be doing too well when the environment starts to change and it you actually go out and you can track down and tranquilize the creatures and bring them back to the city for you know repopulation and conservation elsewhere oh, that's cool mm -hmm. and of course you have a big new open world area how are you going to get around motherfucking hoverboards wait hoverboards yeah <laughs> just, oh my god and not just like okay it's like a mount with a speed increase no you can go off jumps you can do backflips and spins <laughs> like they showed like uh they were doing like a, a bounty quest and at the end of the bounty quest like one of the big giant robots that's essentially security for the corporations like rolls in because they got you know they went someplace they couldn't go so they're like okay hop on the hoverboard and fly away so all this chaos is going on missile shells raining down but Hey, there's a sweet jump over there. We better go take it and do a 1080. Well, like you do. Like, yeah. Gonna, you got to thrash while you're taking down the man. I understand. So, yeah, Fortuna is looking to be a, a solid uh, bit of content that they're adding in here. I'm like, okay, cool. New expansion coming. So, so great conference. Let's, you know, show off some more gameplay stuff. And they just went into straight, straight into announcing the next expansion content coming to Warframe. Uh, I don't think they've put a date on this one just yet, but it is known as Project Railjack. The Railjack is a new class of spacefaring ship that the Tenno have access to that is a manned by a three-person crew. 
oh, pilots, so cool. gunners, engineering, you know, all the stuff we've seen in bridge crew of like managing power outputs. That's a thing. But also hull breaches, damage repair, boarding parties, because the enemies are going to be sending troops to attack your ship directly. So you got to hop out of your gun, shoot some guys in the head, put out some fires, and then jump back into your station. So it's very fluid. It's it's not just a shooter. It's it's a full gameplay experience in and of itself to the point where once you've like weakened the enemy capital ship, then you send one of your own to go board the ship in their own action. And the, the people who are running tactical back on the railjack can actually like hack into the ship's systems and open doors for them and you know uh, uh, turn friendly or turn enemy turrets friendly. It it was crazy watching this, and that yeah. it's all taking place in the same physical space. So, like they said, the guy running around in the ship, if he stops and looks out the window, he can see the guys actually flying around outside. It's not instanced. I mean, each space combat is instanced. It's not open universe, but the everybody participating in that one specific battle is in the same physical space, which is crazy. And you could do this because. A while back, they introduced the Arc Wings, which are space-faring jetpacks that turn you into a fucking Gundam. And this is the greatest game I've ever seen. Yeah, the Gundam part, I watched that video, and the Gundam part was like, okay, that's that's a Gundam. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> man. And this is all free-to-play slash freemium-driven. Uh, uh, 100% free-to-play. That the only stuff to spend money on is stuff that you don't want to spend the time actually grinding out. Uh, with the exception of some of the uh, cosmetic stuff that they come out with when like, they have the new Prime gear, everything that affects gameplay is 100% obtainable in-game without spending a penny. The way it should be. If, I, mean, I mean, granted, you got to put in the effort if you don't want to spend the money, but fine. Like, I, I've bought plenty of cosmetic stuff i haven't actually spent any money on the like the gameplay side of things because i enjoy going out there and grinding for loot drops and spending time crafting and like i'm down with i'm fine with that and of course one more thing after all that they announced the next content update coming to warframe uh this is going to be their next cinematic quest line uh, it's something they started adding in a couple years ago. I actually haven't gotten to any of the proper cinematic quest lines yet. They're, you know, the way the content is. I'm still playing through content from a few years ago. I haven't gotten to the new stuff yet. And like from everything I've heard from other people who play this game, that the story just keeps getting better as you go because you're essentially playing through the history of the development of the game. They just got better at doing this stuff over the years. The game came out five and a half years ago at this point. So once you get to the like the more modern storytelling in the in the later missions, it's legitimately great. And this trailer, I have no idea what it was, but it was freaking people the hell out because it's following up what happened in the last uh, cinematic story trailer that or cinematic story quest that came out uh, just a month or two ago, actually. Ugh. And oh, if you want to know, jealous. I'm a Marty, jealous. Here's how I'm going to sell this game to you. Oh man. Not in the gameplay, not in the business model. You know who's been making videos about Warframe lately? Who's been making videos about Warframe lately? Uh, his name is Bife. 
I knew that. Like he, like I'm in their channel. The, that the, the lore of Warframe is interesting enough that the preeminent lore video maker from Destiny is very interested to the point where he attended Tenocon. No. Yeah. What? Oh he man. Was there. He's buying into what Digital Extremes is selling, and why not? Like, it's a fantastic game. By far the best story-driven sci-fi shooter on the market today. Make uh, what you will of that statement. But yeah. I, I, I've been singing the praises of this game since I started playing it months ago. And like I, I set it aside for a while, like Monster Hunter came out and other stuff, but now I'm getting back into it. Like I updated it again today and jumped back in and right back uh, continuing my quest lines. And God, it's still fun. Are you playing on your PC or are you playing on the PS4? Uh, PS4. Sadly, my I, PC is not modern game capable at the moment. I wonder if my laptop in Wondering Windows would be able to do it. I'm not going to find out. I'm going to install it on my Xbox because that's what the Xbox is for. Yeah, um, I, I, it plays great on a controller. Like the, the, the way the movement works, like I'm sure it's fine on a keyboard, but it's a game I'm happy to play on a controller because it's third person, not first person. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Warframe continues to impress. It. Uh, this is the first time I've ever done a deep dive into it, prepping for tonight. And I watched the video and, and read up a little bit about the history. And like the history of uh, this game's development is phenomenal. If um, you watch that uh, No Clip documentary I talked about last time, I brought up Warframe. Are you familiar with No Clip? Yes. They did a documentary. I think it was three parts about the creation of Warframe. And just watching that documentary. And hearing uh, Steve Sinclair, the lead producer at Digital Extremes, how passionate he is about what he does, that will sell you the game. Guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Well, it won't sell you the game because you're not buying it. Right. It'll sell you. It <laughs> won't even sell you a skin. It'll just make you want to play the game. Yep. Okay. Well, you did purchase something recently and... Uh, I remember you talking about this on the show. I don't remember if I was on the show, but Gloomhaven, go. In all fairness, I did not purchase it. Girlfriend purchased it. Aw, Alicia. <laughs> because uh, we are a happy gaming couple that loves to do stuff together. And when something cool catches your interest, you just got to follow it through to completion. And yeah, we just randomly ducked into a game store yesterday and they actually had copies of Gloomhaven in stock which is a big deal because it's a very popular game amongst the tabletop gaming community right now. And they're still trying to catch up on uh, years of goodwill that didn't have a physical product to support it. Uh, but it's, it's trickling out into retail locations and this is a cool fucking game. It's essentially a D and D campaign without a DM. That's the best way I can describe it. When you unpack this, gargantuan box like this thing weighs easily 30 pounds it's, jesus it's ridiculous the amount of cardboard and everything else that's in this thing it starts off with a fold-out world map that's completely blank except for the city of gloomhaven and a pack of stickers because as you open the spiral notebook that's i couldn't even tell you how many pages the thing is that's the campaign you start off on the first mission as you, you know, 
complete things, you unlock, you know, future, th future uh, content to play through, and you put stickers on the map as you unlock the map. There's actual achievements that you can unlock. <laughs> But like that track your progress, like, you know, oh, we want we, we to go to the, the wizard's tower. Like, well, it says right here in the book, you can't go to the wizard's tower until you've done this other quest line. So go do that quest line, get the achievement, and then you can come back and do the wizard's tower because it's an ongoing story. I, I forget exactly how many. It's like somewhere in the vicinity of 60 to 70 story campaign missions that are in this game. Where you, totally GMless, the whole thing. 100% GMless because you have the, the scenario book. You know, you go to the scenario book, you read the flavor text that tells you, you know, why you're there, why you're doing what you're doing. And then like, okay, here's how you set up the tiles for the map. Here's what enemies you put on the map that scales with both character level and party size. Because this is playable with one to four players. Like, I, so clever. Alicia and I are going to play it with two players and it scales because when you look at it, okay, we're looking at these, these character icons. We'll look to where the two player uh, like indication is to see if it's no enemy, an enemy, or an elite enemy, because I mean, you're not going to design four different maps depending on how many people are playing. It's hard to balance this stuff, so they did all the work for you. Just look at the map, plop these enemies down. Each enemy has a variable amount of levels, and well, that's a lot of paperwork to keep track of. And they again, they've come up with an ingenious solution of a two-sided card split into quadrants so you essentially have eight different versions of each enemy on a card and then a cutout sleeve that covers up most of the card so you're only looking at the exact enemy you're fighting their level their stats the uh, actual way the enemies work because how are you going to play a DD campaign where nobody's controlling the enemies it's a deck right. of cards oh you shuffle the deck you flip it over it tells you what the enemy does and then there's rules for you know determining you know where the enemy moves, who the enemy targets. So the game plays itself. And then you have the player side of things. And this is where stuff gets super fascinating. You start off, there are 17 characters in this box. You As only in have 17 classes or just 17 characters? 17 classes. Jesus. Each is their own unique character because they all come with fucking miniatures. Oh my God. One of the reasons the game's as expensive as it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you only have access to six of them to begin with. The uh the scoundrel, the brute, the tinker, the spell weaver, the the mind thief, and the cragheart. So your usual assortment of warriors, thieves, rogues, wizards, what have you. And you you pick one, and like you just pick one. Like you're not allowed to open the box until you've picked your character. You don't know what your abilities are. You don't know what your fucking character looks like until you've picked it, because they're all sealed. It's done, <laughs> it's done legacy style, like Pandemic Legacy and Risk Legacy and those types of games, but yeah, not quite as destructive as those games, let's put it that way. <laughs> so you pick your character. You have a deck of cards. Uh, each character has a hand limit, like, you know, rogues can have more skills available to them it, it makes sense and you have uh, different skills that are different levels you're a level one character you can only use the level one skills you reach level two then you can do your own deck building game because at the end of the day you're still only going to have nine cards when you go into the dungeon but now you have more to choose from oh the cards are split into a top half and a bottom half so each round of combat you play two cards 
top half effect from one card, bottom half effect from the other card. Which order you play them in determines your initiative. But let's say, like, you know, I'm a big, slow character. I, I go into battle planning to uh, jump over the table and ground smash the enemies in an AoE. But I'm a big, slow character. So by the time my turn comes around, the enemies have moved. That's no longer a tactically advantageous move. I've already played these two cards, but I haven't locked into which effects I'm going to do. If I had originally planned on the top skill of card A and the bottom skill of card B, I can switch it to the top skill from card B and the bottom skill from card A. So there's a lot of tactical stuff before the turn, but being able to think on the fly and, cha and change your actions as you go, because like the, the, uh, there's typical like gaming stuff in here like flanking maneuvers of course the rogue's going to deal more damage if you know there's somebody distracting the enemy or uh being able to heal and there's this whole element thing of the game where element-based characters like when they cast a fire spell now suddenly like fire magic is attuned in the area and somebody can absorb that fire magic to gain an extra effect later on that works just as well for the enemies as it does for the player characters so oh it, it's so cool that's just the gameplay side of things. What about the story? Well, the story is very much, you know, player-driven, of course, because the, the, the campaign is, of course, kind of a railroad because nobody can think on the fly. It's all pre-written. Right. But the story comes from the character action. Every time you go to town, you draw a random encounter in town. And it's a story encounter. It's not like a combat thing. But that affects your reputation in the town. If reputation is high, you get discounts. If reputation is low, they're going to send the city guard after you actually a mechanic in the game you track it on the world map <laughs> that's awesome you actually have like your your party has their own character sheet keeping track of these things um like you, you can donate money to the church that unlocks stuff as you go like actual missions to play and characters to play because again starting off with six there's 11 other characters sitting in that box because you're not meant to play one character from the beginning of the campaign to the end of the campaign. When you, air quotes, create your character, you randomly draw an objective. When you, and like the, the objectives are like simple stuff, like, you know, kill three wizards, you know, uh, finish seven dungeons, like stuff like that. Stuff that you can't help but to accomplish over the course of playing the game. Gotcha. Because once you accomplish that, your character's retired. But at the same time, you accomplish that, you unlock a new character to play. Let me interrupt real quick. Have you ever played an RPG, tabletop RPG, where your character retired and the campaign continued? Um, me personally, none of my characters retired, but it has happened, yes. I know it's happened. I mean, I, I've seen it happen. Happened. Like, it's happened to other players in my games. I'm just really oh, okay. good at making survivable characters. Or the things just like, you know, the campaign ends because, you know, that's the end of the natural story arc, that sort of stuff. Like, yes, technically at the end of the Shadowrun game, my character retired because, well, I was moving out of state. Like, it was, right. the, the end of the campaign was literally built around my character and the, my character's brother, who was another player character. We were retiring. We were getting out of the Shadowrunner life. But it was also nice. the end of the campaign itself. So like, if they had wanted to continue running, 
yeah, he his character would have retired and he would have created a new character. Okay, just checking. It, it for me, I haven't seen a lot of that, uh, like done naturally. But that's neither here nor there. More about mm. Gloomhaven. Yeah. So you retire that character, and, I, and like when you have this, you know, this quest card, it, it tells you specific things. Like, okay, uh, now you've unlocked the the box with the sun icon on it. You still don't know what character is in that box, but hey, you just fucking unlocked it. You need a new character. You might as well play that one. And it'll also tell you, oh. And now shuffle these cards into the random encounters deck because that character you just retired. Now they're a fucking NPC in the game world. Oh yes. Like I it, love that. I love there, that. There's been this, this trend in tabletop gaming over the last few years of legacy games spearheaded by pandemic legacy. And I, I, I respect and like what pandemic legacy has done, but it's not, it doesn't have the feel of an actual legacy. It's just a series of essentially one-shot games that every time you play the game, it's different. But nothing you really did in the past matters. But this, it matters. Like, what character you played, that character's now an NPC somewhere. It could be a friend, could be a villain. Who, who the hell knows? Like, <clears throat> the community has been amazing with this of not spoiling anything. This game has been out like for a couple years now in wide release only the last couple months, really. I still don't know a damn thing aside from what's in those initial six boxes. I don't even know what the first mission is yet. Like I've seen the map. I don't know what it is. That's ridiculous. That's amazing and ridiculous. the, The amount of story and life that they have put into this game is absolutely mind blowing. That I mean, you you could play a session a week and not finish it in a year. It, it's 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 expensive, but as far as time investment, it is a hundred percent worth it to me because I, I know I'm going to be playing this for a long, long time. If you want, even if you somehow finish the damn campaign, there's a deck of cards in there for generating your own random dungeon. You can keep playing forever. New characters. Uh, continue earning experience, earning gold, magic items, you name it. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> There's another mechanic in there. Every time you enter a dungeon, you randomly draw two cards. Pick one. That is your secret objective for that dungeon. Your secret objective could be something as simple as, you know, ki- get the killing blow on five enemies or loot 10 pieces of gold. That will affect how you play. The other players don't know what your secret objective is, but accomplishing those secret objectives is necessary for being able to do the deck building stuff. Like you, you unlock feats that uh, let you put more advantageous cards into your deck. So every, even if you continue with the same character for mission after mission after mission, you're going to be playing it differently every time based on those random objectives. Oh my God. That just added like a whole new level of customization to that already very customizable like yeah it's on rails but it is one fine train on you know rpg train basically that's even saying it's on rails is not a hundred percent accurate because of those 70-ish missions uh, over the course of a campaign you're not gonna do them all like some of them are side quests some of them might just be stuff you don't unlock because you never got that particular character that that works with it or you didn't draw that random encounter like there's a lot of content in here that you're gonna play and even still some that you're not. Oh, that's okay. So I totally misunderstood. You actually, 
you won't play everything unless you play different sessions, different times, multiple ways. And then of course, there's going to be an expansion at some point because this sounds like, and that doesn't, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of adding the supplement. I think that, oh my God, this game could just last forever. It's, it's fantastic. Like I, I first heard about it early on in the year. It's like some gaming sites and YouTube channels I follow had named it their, their game of 2017, even though no, no, not many people played it 2017, unless you were a Kickstarter backer or a retailer, you didn't have your hands on this last year, but everybody said, it's fantastic. I started looking it up. I watched some videos. I was like, I need this game. And you know, the stars aligned. I got my hands on it. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to update on how much fun it is. Uh, I, I would love to hear more about that. And thank you, Alicia, for, for letting us have this conversation by being such a wonderful partner. <laughs> yes, um, thank you. Oh, crap. I lost my train of thought. I know. Awesome board games do that to you. Awesome board games do that to me. Games do that to me. And also the jackholes lighting off mortars in my backyard are doing that to me. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Well, before we hand the show over to Joe, Vince, is there anything other, any other games coming down the pipe that you want to talk about or anything that we should be aware of? Uh, I think I have consumed enough of this episode. I, I am going to be playing the Metro series. I got the pass, Ooh. the Xbox pass, and I'm already hooked. Uh, I don't, I'm not a complete Russophobe. I want to see this game. It, it's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, so I'm hopefully going to be able to have a report on this series uh, in time for the sequel. Yeah, or the third here. part. Yeah, the third part. Yeah. So cool. All right. Uh, I don't know what Roger, if he wants us to record like an outro. I mean, that's typically what you do at the end of an episode. Well, I know, but Joe's going to get his feature in. Just, just do it anyway. All right. But well, here's you. the thing. Would you rather record it and Roger not need it or not record it and hear about it tomorrow? I, I feel like it's a lose-lose. <laughs> no matter what, no matter what, it's going to be wrong. It's just fine. Let me let, let me let my neighbor stop shooting fireworks. Be right back. Like you can hear it still. I can hear it. Okay. Well, that is... Uh, all right, stop. Shotzi just got out and she's... My little dog is totally freaking out from the fireworks. Okay. That's been for the lore for July 9th, five full days from my birthday. We've talked about uh, the, uh, Captain Spirit. We've talked about Gloomhaven. And we've talked about the amazing amount of content coming up for Warframe. Uh, I am Officer Gleason on the Twitters. You can find me there. You can also find me on uh, All Comics Considered, a Wednesday podcast about, about comic books and all sorts of fun cultural things. Vince, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Simodian. That's pretty much all I do these days outside of For the Lore. You can find uh, Joe at LoaderZJ, and you can find Roger at Zen Buddhist. Uh, maybe there'll be a Popcorn Ronin. Maybe there'll be other shows coming down the pipe. Who knows? Uh, listen, let's let's not. <laughs> let's not get crazy here. That's you know, crazy is what we do. Uh, but until next time, gamers, 
enjoy and don't be a dick to other people. One of the more exciting announcements for the Switch in general as of late was that we were going to be getting a few new Pokemon games. First, that there would be a brand new core RPG that would be coming out sometime in 2019. But before then, there's a new-ish game being released in 2018, uh, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu. These games are heavily based on Pokemon Yellow and take place in the counter region, however, are not complete remakes of that old game. And if these are not going to be the core, quote-unquote, RPG that Nintendo is developing. It's an interesting game in that the graphics are all 3D and upscaled and brought into the current generation, and from what we've seen so far, it looks absolutely gorgeous on the Nintendo Switch. But there are some interesting changes from the regular Pokemon formula. Now, one of the things that everybody seemed to assume is that by the name Let's Go is that it would be essentially a Switch version of Pokemon Go, the mobile game uh, produced by Niantic and the Pokemon Company. And while it does have some of those elements, it is not simply just Go put into a Switch form. Now, starting off, one of the things that it shares with its yellow predecessor is that in Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu, the main Pokemon you start with is either Eevee or Pikachu. Like yellow, that starting Pokemon cannot be evolved. Other Pokemon of that type that you capture can be evolved. And it's uncertain, but if you trade your starter, it's believed that, let's say, if I take my Let's Go Pikachu Pikachu and trade it to somebody with Let's Go Eevee, that theoretically that Pokemon can then be evolved. This is something that you used to be able to do with Pokemon Yellow back in the day. Uh, so there's an assumption that, that we'll be able to do that again, but we don't have any confirmation on that. We do know that Bluetooth devices like the new Pokeball will work for the game when it's attached to the Switch. In fact, the control scheme for this particular version is simplified down to the point of movement and one button click and motion controls if desired. Um, we don't know if you have to use the motion controls, but it was heavily showcased at E3 that throwing the ball was done by making an overhand or underhand motion with the actual Bluetooth connected Pokeball. I would assume that there's probably something similar that you would do with the motion controls from either the Pro Controller or one of the Joy-Cons, but we don't know yet. Uh, and they haven't really been forthcoming about that particular piece of it. Interestingly enough, though, is that little Pokeball, uh, not only is it something that you can use to move your character around, make selections through the menu, uh, as well as, you know, make throwing motions to capture Pokemon, uh, but there's a little speaker inside of it so that when you assign a Pokemon to that Pokeball and you hold it up to your ear and you give it a little shake, uh, the ball will actually make the noise of the assigned Pokemon. So you can put your Eevee or Pikachu into that and, you know, little tiny piece of immersion. It's a, it's a cool little Easter egg. Uh, and I just think it's nifty that they're thinking that far into it. Um, Bluetooth will also be heavily utilized to transfer Pokemon from go to let's go we have confirmed that you will be able to make a one-way transfer from 
Pokemon Go to Pokemon Let's Go. Uh, Pokemon that you transfer in will be sent to a very special area. I believe it's called the uh, Let's Go Park, where you do have to capture them, very similar to something like the Safari Zone or some of the other games in the past where it wasn't just an immediate transfer into your game cart as far as like to your character like if you're transferring between an older cart to a newer cart i believe emerald and ruby had a feature like this but they'll be put into a special area where you can go and find them and capture them interestingly enough speaking of the capture system is that unlike the old games pokemon while they will still be in the tall grass when your character is moving around they are plainly visible and that means that you can see them running in and out of the tall grass around the tall grass. And in order to engage them, you basically run up to them. Now, I think that's actually really, really cool. And there's a pretty generous hitbox around the Pokemon. So you can avoid sort of those random encounters if you really want to try very hard to do so and go for the specific Pokemon you want. Now, unlike the traditional games, when you engage one of those Pokemon, there is no battle. You don't sit there and fight and beat the hell out of the Pokemon until you get it to the point where you can capture it. Instead, what winds up happening is you throw the ball in a very similar format to Pokemon Go. There will be a circle reticle that appears on the Pokemon you're trying to capture, and it will be color-coded with a, a sort of a zeroing in circle. Uh, green is just an easy, straight throw can do it. Yellow and red is a more difficult catch, and then you basically need to th try to throw a curveball or get your ball uh, in a specific manner or wait till that sort of circle goes away uh, to make the capturing easier. Now, even though you don't battle when you do capture a Pokemon, your main Pokemon does still gain XP, basically whatever Pokemon you have equipped at the time. We do know that if you have something like the experience share, that all of your Pokemon will gain experience this way. Now, we also know that while you're not going to be battling wild Pokemon, there is still going to be trainer battling in the game. So just like in the classic games, a trainer spots you, they're going to run away or run towards you rather, and sort of engage in that battle sequence with you and your Pokemon. It is assumed that you will still gain experience points that way as well. Um, you can then also, just like in Pokemon Go, uh, get candy for your Pokemon that will allow you to sort of power them up and give them more experience points as well. Um, there's still some uncertainty around that sort of training and leveling up, uh, but we expect that we're probably going to hear more the closer the game comes to release. Another interesting thing is that there are no HMs in this game, so you don't really have options to sort of give new abilities to your Pokemon besides what they have, um, which I think is an interesting move. It also encourages you to go out and find more Pokemon instead of just finding one, grinding levels with it, and then putting whatever you need on it. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, we do know for a fact that you can ride certain Pokemon, uh, though despite there not being HMs, we don't know how that is, if it's just a natural ability that certain types have, like if you can just swim on a Lapras or fly on a Pidgey, uh, something along those lines. So we will see more about that as it comes closer to release, but right now it's we know that you can do it, we just don't know how. Another change is unlike the older games and even the modern uh, 3DS games, the handheld games, there's going to be no breeding. So you're not going to be able to breed between different Pokemon to try to get a you know new egg in a super powerful type of Pokemon. 
which is interesting. Uh, it's an aspect of the game that I never personally really enjoyed very much, so seeing that it's gone actually makes me pretty excited. We do know that there's going to be sort of the classics, there's going to be shinies. Uh, they did mention that there's potentially going to be the legendary type of Pokemon that are going to be in there. Uh, and this is going to take place in the Kanto region. Uh, and one of the interesting tidbits that we know is that while you're going to have all 150 Kanto Pokemon, there is also going to be the Alolan, which is the most recent handheld game region. The variants of the Kanto Pokemon will be available in the game. Uh, they didn't say if they're going to be just uh, readily available all everywhere or just in specific areas, but it's an interesting little touch to sort of help tie it in further with sort of the modern gaming or modern Pokemon game world. There's a lot of really cool information coming out about it as far as like people who are starting to finally talk about their experiences at E3 because there was playable hands-on time with it, uh, talking about how easy it was to play, easy it was to pick up, and how even if you're not a fan of Go, uh, it seemed very, very intuitive. The things that I'm really curious about personally is I would like to know what the overall control scheme is going to wind up being. If I can turn off the motion controls and use just my you know controller, I would be very, very happy. Uh, if it is a complete motion control based game, which I wouldn't put it past Nintendo. They've done this in the past with games like Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. I could potentially be a little disappointed, uh, or if you only have to use touchscreen controls or motion controls, because don't forget that the Nintendo Switch does have a touchscreen uh, on it, then that I, I could see that being a sticking point as well. But we do know that it looks gorgeous in full screen and docked mode so far from what players have seen. The Pokemon look and react great. The new system of sort of wandering around and seeing where the Pokemon are worked out really, really well. It allowed players to sort of pick and choose. And the incentives that they have to find more Pokemon, even of the same type, are still present. Um, I'm looking forward to this one in particular, and I'm hoping that it's going to be a solid entry into the Pokemon RPG sort of library and that it'll make a great splash on the switch be successful and then may herald some good things to come with the core rpg which we still don't know much about that's supposed to be happening in 2019 uh, it is entirely possible that system successes and failures in this version will make or break whether or not those systems appear in the core version in 2019 so with that, I'm going to go put on my trainer's hat. I've got some more Pokemon to go catch and go. And I hope that this has been entertaining and informative. While I quit my job down at the car wash, I left my mama a goodbye note. By sundown, I left Kingston with my guitar under my coat. I hitchhiked all the way down to Memphis, got a room at the YMCA. For the next three weeks, I went a-hunting them night, looking for a place to play. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. 